0: I was at Boy Scout camp when younger. The land the camp is on is former Native American grounds. We were hiking and came across an Indian burial ground. I was very young and my friends, and I had no clue what we had stumbled upon because, one, there was no uniformity to the placement of grave markers like a standard cemetery, too. It was the literal middle of the woods surrounded by trees and not near anything for over a mile. Three, the markers looked like old box TVs, the kinds from the 80s and 90s. They didn't register as grave markers for a while to our brains. As I said, my friends and I were young and dumb, 12 or 13, and several of my friends played on them, such as jumping from on top of one to another. I think another guy stopped to pee on one. After a few minutes, a weird feeling hit all of us that were there at once. It was like we had become overcome with dread, fear, and fright. It was like someone whispered into our brains to make us understand without words where we were and what. We were doing all at once. We all looked at each other and ran through the woods back the way we came. It's probably just paranoia, but I felt like something followed us back through the woods that day to make sure we were gone. Gallup is a border town on the Arizona, or or Mexico border on I-40, you cross into Arizona. It's an Indian reservation north. It's all Native American Navajo. I lived out there. I was married to a Navajo girl. I lived out in the south of Gallup. When you go south, you go up in altitude. You go up about 8,000 feet, 85,000 feet. It's all pine trees in these mountains. Her family had land way out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was beautiful. I can't even begin to describe where I was at. Very few Belladonas, white people. I was hunting out there. I got up really early one morning, left the Hogan. We lived way out there. I took off and was actually looking for elk. It was that season. And I'm way up there in the mountains. I'm out there probably about seven o'clock. The sun's coming up and something's following me. I'm an ex-Navy corpsman. I know when something's following me. I'm about an hour and a half back in and I'm way out in the middle of nowhere. So I go around and I end up on a box canyon on top of this mesa that overlooks the boonies. It's like a thousand foot drop off. Okay, real quick, I head back towards the box canyon. I was trying to get away from whatever was following me. All of a sudden, I hear these thundering footsteps, and I lean up against the wall, and here comes about seven horses out from the middle of nowhere into this box canyon. Wild horses. I get around the box canyon, and there it is. It jumps off the top of a 20-foot dead-end box canyon. I was at the bottom. I'm looking up, and now I'm looking at it. And it jumped one foot down. One foot up on the side. It was exactly what everybody says that you guys talk about. New he says Bigfoot. Yeah, and I'm in the middle of the Indian Reservation on the top of a little mesa. It blew my mind. It looked right at me. I was less than 50 yards from it. I took off running. I didn't freeze. I took off running. I was armed to the hilt. I ran around the box canyon and got out of the box canyon. As quick as I could then something threw a rock at me. It was a huge rock. I'd say it weighed about eight pounds. It would have killed me. I looked and I tripped out. At 120 to 200 yards there it was and it looked at me. I'm telling you, it blew my mind. It threw an eight-pound rock at least 120 yards. And this thing was not small. This thing was huge. Okay. I was armed with a 270, 4x15x15, and I'm a crack shot. Let me tell you what. I hit it. I hit it. It took two steps and poof it just disappeared into thin air. It was like it was never there. The footprints were there, but there was no blood. True story, dude. I know I hit it. I watched it change expression. Nuri asks how tall it was. Oh, man, it had to have been eight and a half feet, probably weighed close to 600 pounds. I don't know where it's from, but wherever it came from, when I hit it, it had the ability to just disappear into thin air. You know, I looked. I followed the footprints. I walked the 120 yards. It wasn't that far from the top of a Mesa. It had nowhere to go. Never, ever have I seen it again. And never, ever have I gone back. Not by myself. The wind whispered through the ancient trees as I stood on the Oklahoma reservation, my eyes fixed on the weathered pages of an ancient text that promised to unravel the mysteries of a shaman who battled an unknown cryptid centuries ago. The reservation had a hidden history, and I, an archaeologist with a passion for uncovering the secrets of the past, was determined to bring it to light. The tale began with a Navajo tribe haunted by phantom drumbeats during the night. The source of the haunting remained shrouded in mystery, and it fell upon the tribe's shaman to unveil the dark history behind these enigmatic sounds. As I delved deeper into the text, I felt a connection to the ancient storyteller who chronicled the events. In the heart of the reservation, beneath the ancient boughs of towering trees, the tribal shaman embarked on a solitary journey to unravel the secrets of the phantom drum baits. The night air was thick with anticipation as he ventured alone into the dense woods, guided only by the faint echoes of the mysterious sounds that tormented his people. As he delved deeper into the wilderness, the haunting drumbeats grew louder, resonating through the trees like a heartbeat of darkness. The shaman's senses heightened, and a palpable tension filled the air. It was then that he first encountered the creature a shadowy figure that moved with unnatural grace, and emitted an aura of malevolence. The ancient text referred to this creature as a wendigo, a malevolent spirit associated with cannibalism and primal hunger. Its form was a grotesque distortion of the human figure with elongated limbs, sharp claws, and eyes that glowed with an otherworldly intensity. The Wendigo's presence twisted the fabric of reality, instilling fear and despair in the hearts of those who crossed its path. The shaman, undeterred by the monstrous entity, engaged in a mental battle with the Wendigo. As the phantom drumbeats reached a fevered pitch, he struggled to maintain his sanity, confronting the dark forces that sought to overwhelm him. The creature, fueled by ancient malevolence, clawed at the shaman's mind, but he stood firm, drawing upon the strength of his ancestors. With an indomitable will, the shaman managed to wrestle the wendigo into submission. As the creature dissipated into the shadows, a strange totem and drums were revealed nearby, hidden in the heart of the woods. The totem bore grotesque carvings and symbols resonating with dark energy, while the drums seemed to pulsate with an unnatural rhythm. Understanding the connection between the haunting drumbeats and the malevolent totem, the shaman set ablaze the grotesque artifacts, releasing the trapped spirits and banishing the wendigo's curse. The flames danced in the night, casting an ethereal glow over the shaman as he chanted ancient incantations. To purify the sacred ground. Returning to the village, the shaman shared his harrowing journey with the tribe. The phantom drumbeat ceased, and the once haunted nights were replaced with serene stillness. The Navajo people, grateful for the shaman's courage, lived in peace once more, free from the clutches of the Windigo. The ancient tale, once confined to the pages of the text, now echoed through the reservation as a testament to the triumph of courage over darkness. I'm the witness though I'd prefer not to use my name. I'm a Navy vet in my late 50s and this incident happened in June 2020 when I was camping with some of my old Navy buddies. We were in a very remote area of the forest in southwest Pennsylvania, most likely in Greene County. We had spent most of the day hiking to our camping spot, and it was around dusk when we set up our tents. I decided to go off alone to gather firewood. It was getting dark, but I was only about 30 yards from our camp, and I had my forty-five with me just in case. As I was collecting firewood, I realized I was being flanked on both my left and right sides by something. That's when I called out to my friends, and it quickly came to check on me. As we walked back on the trail, a creature unlike anything we'd ever seen emerged from the forest. It was a massive wolf-like creature, standing on two legs, about seven to eight feet tall. Its chest was like that of a bodybuilder and its eyes were glowing yellow as it gnashed its teeth. A strange slime was dripping from its mouth, and it charged at us. Fortunately, a large boulder seemingly came out of nowhere and struck the creature on the side of its head, causing it to fall into a ravine. We wasted no time and hurried back to our camp. But our ordeal was far from over. Another, even larger, wolf-like creature appeared and charged at us as well. This time it was hit by a tree, causing a loud cracking sound as it fell. As we watched in shock, a huge creature covered in hair, standing about ten feet tall with noticeable breasts, stepped out of the forest. It was holding a log in its hands. It was joined by another hairy creature, this one towering at twelve feet tall. They both stared at us, and the female creature pointed down the trail as if telling us to leave the area. We didn't need any more convincing. Since it was too far and too late to hike out, we decided to make a bonfire using any wood that was close by or had already been gathered. We stayed up all night with our weapons drawn, hearing the two sets of creatures circling our camp. At one point, another of the wolf-like creatures stepped out of the forest and started walking in our direction, but it was stopped by one of the Bigfoot-like creatures that emerged and attacked it with a large stick. As dawn broke, we were terrified but exhausted. We broke camp and, despite our weariness, made our way back down the trail and out of the area, the memory of that night and the bizarre creatures we encountered still haunts us to this day. I live in San Jose, California. I'm nobody special, just a regular guy who loves to hunt and camp in the outdoors. I'm 50 years old, and I'm a mechanic who works for a school district in Sunnyvale, California, in the Silicon Valley. I spent a lot of time outdoors with my brother deer hunting in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. I'd like to tell you my story of the two encounters with what I believe was a Bigfoot. In 2017, we went on a dussex hunting trip in the Stanislaus National Forest in California in Kennedy Meadows. My brother Jason and good friend Rodney went along. It was a pack trip. I was super excited because this would be my first hunting trip on horseback. It was a five-day trip where we rode horseback below the lake near Levitt Meadows. The hunt was amazing. I was able to take a black bear and was super excited on the second night of the trip. However, on the third night, we experienced high wind and rain that woke me up at three o'clock in the morning. Everything went silent and this weird feeling came over me, but I can't explain what it felt like. As I laid my sleeping bag, I could hear footsteps around my tent. I was sleeping with my 357 caliber handgun, and my brother and my friend also had handguns. I screamed out to my brother Jason to stop messing around, and he yelled back, saying he was not doing anything, that he was in his tent. I have to say my mind started playing tricks on me, because after a while I could feel a presence near me and could hear footsteps crunching the ground near my tent. I lay in my tent trying to talk myself into opening up the flap as fast as I could to see what was behind me. The four-season tent had two zippers, and I knew it would take a little bit of time to get out of it. I slowly positioned myself to get out of the tent as fast as I could with my handgun in one hand and turned my headlamp on to see what was out there. I ripped out of the tent as fast as I could and caught a glimpse of a huge dark black shadow that scared the crap out of me. I started firing up my handgun in the location where I saw the shadow. Not to kill it, but to scare whatever it was, because I wanted it to leave me alone. I was not sure what it was. I don't think it was a black bear, because it stood pretty tall. I woke up my buddy Rodney and Jason, and they said that I must have been dreaming because the gunshot didn't wake them up. I don't know what I saw, but I believe it was a Bigfoot. The next morning, when the sun came up, I went to check the area where I saw the huge shadow. In this location, I had hung the black bear meat, I'd say about ten feet high, in a pretty sturdy line. To my amazement, the meat bag was ripped off of the tree and on the ground. My brother and friend said it was probably a black bear that reached up there to grab it, but I don't believe that. There's no way it could have reached that high. Here's another encounter during a dive hunting trip in 2020. It's kind of near the same location, near Kennedy Meadows, but in Eagle Meadows. Near Relief Reservoir, there have been many wildfires, and a lot of the forest land was closed down. Except for this location for the hunting season opener, a lot of the hunters thought that area was closed down due to the wildfires, so my brother and I had the place to ourselves. We headed up on our four-wheel-drive quads, and I found a beautiful rock overlook and proceeded to hunt. I have to say, after my last encounter, I was a little bit wary of possible experiences to be had with Bigfoot. The area that I was in was filled with open-range cattle. I was watching them feed through the canyon. I was lying on a rock when that strange feeling came over me again, like it did on the last hunting trip in 2017. It was around 5 a.m., and I started hearing the timberline cracking as if the trees were falling down. I positioned my scope in the location where I could hear the trees cracking, but never saw a thing. I was too afraid to go into the tree line. I have to say this noise continued throughout the whole day. I'm not sure what it was, but it scared me. My brother Jason thought it was the cattle moving through the tree line. I have to say, it was pretty loud to be cattle knocking down branches off the trees. I don't know what it was. The feeling I got in my gut was not to go in the timberland. I just find it kinda strange I have these gut feelings of danger. My friend and I, well, we didn't really see anything. But it was a scary moment for us, nonetheless so I'll try to describe it in the best way I can. Two years ago, I went to a hiking trip. We decided we wanted to see the sunrise on the top of the hill, so we started hiking at around 3 a.m. We set some tents at the base of the hills, but some of us chose to stay at the campsite. And so, to get to the hill, you need to cross a little jungle first for a half hour or so, depending on your pace. It was dark so dark we had our headlamp on but somehow I began to lose breath. I cannot cope with the other hikers. I was so far behind that one of the guide decided, okay, I cannot continue with the hike and I need to go back to the camp with him. And we did, not the greatest moment in my life. So the path was narrow. I was walking in front while the guide was behind me and we heard the sound of wings flapping above us, bird wings. Only the wings seemed to be so large because we can feel the wind blowing, like it was so big it was covering both of us, and I instinctively dropped myself on the ground because I can feel something was trying to grab my head from above. The guide behind me then went and threw his body upon me like he was protecting me from something, even though we didn't see anything. I cried and he shouted so loud he was trying to shoo something away, We stay like that for a whole five minutes. I couldn't stop crying, but then we still need to move because it was still two hours away till dawn. Only this time, we walked together side by side, holding each other tight. When we safely reached the camp, the guide told me that he had no idea what that creature was. It wasn't something he ever heard of, but we both heard the flapping sound. We both felt the wind blowing and We both knew something was trying to take me. We reacted solely on our instincts that day. I went hiking in Arizona with some friends. I think there were four of us total. We were going to hike up to some caves, smoke a little, drink a little, and check out the caves in the dark. Should be spooky. After we come out of the caves exploring, we see a set of headlights bouncing around in the desert below us. You can see for miles around. The headlights don't seem to belong to a car on a dirt road, because those things are bouncing around like crazy. They're driving through the desert over everything. Weird. We all discuss it and think they must be just off-roading at night. The headlights bounce around a while, getting closer. We decide to make our way back to the car, just in case the headlight bouncers didn't want to do nice things to our lonely car. It's three miles down the trail, but we can see the whole valley, so we'd know if they started heading towards our car. As we're about halfway down, that truck stops and the headlights are pointed directly at us. They had been driving around for a while, then just stopped, pointed right in our direction. They can't see us or anything. It's dark as if, and they're hundreds and hundreds of yards away. Still, why would they stop in our direction? A sharp crack breaks through the air, Parka. Then we all hear an angry hornet buzz by. Yeah? We watch as all the twigs between us snap like watching a Vietnam movie. All of us hit the dirt behind a mound the trail sheltered us from the direction of the truck. It went from creepy to scary in a split second. We started screaming that there's people out here. Waited a while longer, then headed for the car again. The headlights shut off. We finally make it to the car. The end. Eat it. Speculation from group of friends. Poachers hunting at night with night vision, thinking we're prey. My parents lived next to a golf course with about five acres of pretty thick woods in between, briar patches, piles of pine needles, etc. From time to time, I would walk back there to collect the golf balls because I knew a guy that would buy them by the bucket, and the guys golfing weren't going into the woods to get them back. So one evening around dusk in mid-July, I'm walking through and doing my thing with a good 20 or so balls, and something catches my eye. Now it's not uncommon for homeless people to live in these woods. It's near the middle of the city and you can often find abandoned piles of food and beer cans. I noticed a skeleton out of the corner of my eye with its back leaned up against a tree. Immediate fear rushed through me. I ran about 30 feet away and had to look again. It almost looked like an angel. It had huge wings attached to it. In 1972, May 18th, off the coast of Thailand, our submarine, the USS Queenfish SS-399, a sturgeon-class attack submarine, was on a routine. Patrol submerged in the Gulf of Thailand when, at about 2.15 p.m., we spotted an unidentified object coming from the surface. It rapidly became obvious that this was heading straight for our submerged position. There were no returns from any ship or aircraft in the area. The only thing we could see was a great disturbance in the water. And whatever it was, it headed directly for our position. Everybody standing topside in the conning tower and on the bridge grabbed their binoculars to get a closer look at this mysterious object. But what came into focus didn't make much sense. Someone hollered out that it looked like a giant octopus, And it did seem to be swimming, using the many arms or legs, in much the same way a giant squid propels itself. We couldn't tell which, but the part that made all of us terrified was the fact that it appeared intelligent. The way it moved, the large eyes seemed to be looking right at us. And its actions appeared deliberate as well as menacing, almost as if this unearthly sea monster had reached our submarine. It rapidly swam by, but not before giving us all a very close look at its shiny, wet skin. The arms or legs seemed to be moving in unison, much like the oars of an ancient galley. The top, thinner hump was about ten feet tall, and the large eyes were situated roughly six feet apart on either side of this hump. The skin was smooth, and it appeared to be very large, at least one hundred feet in length. The flesh, or whatever, seemed thick and white like the belly of a shark, but the skin on the tar part was blacker than any sea we'd ever seen. It looked very slimy, and we could see no pectoral fins or flippers as it swam past us all. Everybody was terrified, but also fascinated at the same time. For several seconds following, we watched this creature swim by very rapidly. There was no doubt in our mind that our submarine, seeming to pause, looked directly at us before shooting off into the deep blue sea. We were terrified not knowing what this was. It wasn't quite an octopus, and it did not look like a squid. It looked like something we had never seen before. Although terrified, we were fascinated by its size and beauty. We all knew that this creature was no whale behemoth or any known sea creature. I didn't think it to be a living dinosaur either, but who could say for sure? Well, the captain surfaced the boat as fast as he could to warn any other ship or aircraft of the strange thing that had just happened. The radio room tried to contact any and all ships in the area, but nobody answered. We stayed on the surface for about an hour, trying to tell everybody that this large thing had appeared intelligent, and then it had gone after our submarine, just as if we were bothersome fish that had swum into its territory. The captain decided to track this creature on sonar, but soon found out our equipment was not capable of tracking anything that large. We could see the object on the screen, about six feet tall and about ten feet wide, but this was about all. After several days of tracking it, the captain determined this thing to be over 100 feet in length and very intelligent. It even seemed to sense our presence almost as quickly as we could run sonar on it. I count myself lucky to have seen it once, but after hearing other stories, I wish that I'd never seen anything so terrifyingly beautiful. 25. That is the number of people who have gone missing at the park since the beginning of the year, with nothing being done or said about it. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'll lose my job when they find this posting, but... I have other things to be scared of at this point, and this needs to get out. I'm a wilderness ranger at Met, Rainier. My job is to walk the hundreds of miles of trail and wilderness in the park looking for problems and helping lost and injured hikers. In the old days, any lost hiker would mean all of us going out together, putting together a search plan, doing our best to get them home safely. Things are different today, ever since the start of 2022. Whenever a person gets reported as missing, the family is assured we are on it and will do our best to find them and promise that they will dispatch us to look. As soon as the family is gone, our bosses tell us that they'll have a search and rescue company take over. And if we know what's best for our jobs, we should just focus on checking trail conditions and doing the rest of our jobs and so it's gone on since 2022. At first, there were just a few people missing here and there all over the park. It didn't seem that unusual other than our rangers not being involved in the search, but we figured it was some new policy and shrugged it off. More people started disappearing as the year went on, making all of us wonder what was going on and why it had been made clear to us we should keep our mouths shut. Personally, I figured it was just a combination of bad trail conditions from a rough winter, an influx of inexperienced hikers in the park service trying to avoid looking bad when we needed more funding. Until last Thursday, it was an overcast day, and I was walking along the trail up to Ipsut Pass in the Carbon River area, humming quietly to myself to pass the time and wondering how far up I would go before I had to put on crampums when I saw it. Off to the side of the trail, maybe 50 feet into the forest, there was an odd light on the forest floor. At first, I thought the light was just a reflection off of water or some trash someone had left. But as I moved closer, the light didn't fade or change. It just stayed steady. Maybe it was a lost flashlight. I had walked this trail dozens of times and never noticed it before. I knelt down, taking my pack off, and saw that the light seemed to be coming from just under the dirt. For some reason, I felt uneasy. I looked around to see if anyone else was nearby on the trail, and saw no one. Shrugging, I reached into the dirt to poke at the light and see what it was. Poking around, I found the corner of a slightly open trap door that was at most only a foot wide on each side. It was camouflaged nearly perfectly. If it had not been left just barely ajar with the light exposed, there is no way anyone would have seen it from the trail. I kept opening it, feeling uneasy, but hoping it was some sort of buried seismometer, or at worst, maybe some hiker's idea of a good place to cachet food and water for a long trek. Instead, I found the opening to what appeared to be a small burrow of sorts with an electric camping torch at the corner. I shoved my head down to look inside. The space was small, with enough room for one person if they didn't mind contorting themselves. On the walls of the burrow were dozens of Polaroid photos of people hiking. All of the photos seemed to have been taken very low to the ground. The photos were from all over the park, many dozens or more miles apart. Most of the photos I didn't recognize, but among them I saw a few that I knew for a fact were hikers that had gone missing over the last year. Then my heart stopped. I saw a photo of me hiking along the Ipsut Pass Trail around a half hour ago. Crack! I heard a twig snap somewhere around me. I took my head out of the burrow and started running down the trail the way I came. I didn't look back or stop until I got to the wilderness cabin near Ipsut Campground. I locked and barricaded the door and waited until another ranger showed up the next morning, not sleeping a wink. I asked him to walk back along the Ipsut pass trail with me. He was annoyed that I wouldn't say why, but agreed. We spent an hour looking, but couldn't find any sign of the burrow. I asked for some time off right afterwards, and my manager seemed very suspicious and demanded to know why. I made up some excuse about my family and didn't tell him or anyone else what I saw. For some reason I knew that telling him would best end with me losing my job. I don't know who or what made that burrow, but I think it's taking people at Rainier and for some reason the government is covering it up. I wish that was the end of the story, but it's not. This afternoon I saw something glinting from within the air vent on the floor of my kitchen. I thought maybe my cat had stuck another toy in it. I took the grating off the vent to take the toy out. Instead of a cat toy, I found a Polaroid photo, taken low to the ground of me making breakfast this morning. I had a friend say to me one day, "'When did you start working at the mall, and why were you acting like you didn't know us when we came in and we were talking to you?' Can't you talk to friends when you're on the job? It's uh, her and her husband, I said. I don't work at the mall, and I didn't see you. They both started laughing. I asked, what are you talking about? They said, so you're serious. You're trying to tell us that we both saw you and were talking to you, but it wasn't you, and they both looked at each other, trying to figure out if I was crazy or if they were. A week later, another friend asked me if and 365 day returns. I liked my job at the mall. She wondered, too, why I was acting so strange when she came in to say hello. Again, I said I didn't work at the mall, and she just looked at me as if to say, ha 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 yeah, right, after a third friend, and please note, these were close friends, asked me about my new job. I decided I really had to meet her. I went to the store at the mall, but, Looking around, I didn't see anyone that looked like me. As I turned to leave, I heard someone say, What? You can't say hi on your day off. I walked up to them and said I wasn't the girl who worked there. They said, Well, not today at least, eh? So I just said, Well, see you later then, and turned and walked out. I tried catching her at work about five times and always managed to go in on her day off. Then one day I thought I'd try again. I walked in, looked around, and someone approached me and said, "Geez, where have you been? We've been calling you for days. Why haven't you showed up for work the past two weeks? The manager is mad, but he says if we see you, your paycheck's back there in the manager's office. I tried to explain that I wasn't their employee, and my friends had told me I looked like her. The guy said, No kidding, because I can't tell you apart. The girl even has a mole on her cheek right where you do. I wish I could remember what her name was. Not even sure if I ever heard her name. It still baffles me to this day. Last summer I had something happen to me that has left me feeling uneasy since. I live in a small town in central Arkansas. One evening after work, I had to stop at a local convenience store to get some gas for my car. A man and his son stood at the pump opposite me, and a young woman was standing by her car behind him. When the gas nozzle clicked full, I placed it back onto the pump and went inside the store to pay. When I came out, everything seemed different. There was nobody by the pumps. I had paid for my gas and walked back out in just a minute or so but there was nobody anywhere. It was so bizarre like I had stepped into another world. I suddenly felt scared, but didn't understand why. Then a man walked out of the wooded lot to my right. He was standing by my car at the same time I was heading towards it. When I walked by him, I noticed an awful stench coming from the man. He looked like a normal guy, not wearing dirty or old clothes. He looked like he was in his thirties or so. But when I again looked at him, I felt scared. Like something bad was going to happen. I opened my car door and looked back at him. He was staring at me. The man came closer to me, kinda shuffling his feet. I need a ride, the man told me. The way he said it was startling, like a physical force hit me right between the eyes. He then said, give me a ride. That is when I noticed that his eyes had changed to solid black, no whites, No, nothing. It was like I was looking into the abyss. The stench was also starting to affect me. Where do you want to go? The man replied, Just give me a ride and don't ask questions. I said, No, I can't. I've got to get home. He took a few steps toward me. I immediately got into the car and closed the door. As I started the car, the man put his face up to my car door window. I felt compelled to look at him. I started to feel sick to my stomach. I put the car in gear and got the heck out of there. This has been troubling me. I've been having terrible dreams about this man almost every night since it happened. I'm almost afraid to go to sleep some nights. This is a small town. Everyone knows everyone else. But nobody has seen this black-eyed man. I just don't understand what happened that night. The vast expanse of the eastern North Dakota ranch stretched out before me, bathed in the warm hues of the setting sun. It had been a long, tiring day of ranch work, and I was looking forward to a quiet, peaceful night. Little did I know that what I would encounter that evening would shatter the tranquility of my rural life forever. As the day waned and the sky turned from a brilliant orange to deep indigo, I settled into my cozy ranch house ready to unwind. I had just turned on the TV, planning to catch up on some news when a sudden rustling outside caught my attention. My heart raced as I muted the television and turned my gaze towards the window. I saw something that sent shivers down my spine. It was a dark, shadowy figure, Standing on its hind legs, silhouetted against the fading light, it was enormous. Easily seven to eight feet tall, with dark fur that seemed to absorb the feeble light. My mind raced, trying to make sense of what I was seeing. A dog standing on two legs. I had never heard of such a creature. The seconds felt like hours as I watched the mysterious figure, frozen in fear. It moved with an eerie, unnatural grace, its eyes reflecting another worldly glint. My thoughts were a jumble of confusion and fear. What could this be? A bear? A wolf? It looked nothing like anything I'd ever seen in these parts. After what felt like an eternity, the creature slowly retreated into the shadows and vanished into the night. I was left trembling and bewildered, my heart pounding in my chest. I knew I had to find answers, but my fear held me back. With trembling hands, I reached for my laptop and began to research my bizarre encounter. Desperate to find some explanation, I stumbled upon a website dedicated to cryptids and unexplained phenomena. One term in particular caught my eye. Dogman. The description matched what I had seen, a towering canine-like creature that stood upright. My heart sank as I delved further into the lore surrounding these creatures. The stories I found were chilling. Tales of encounters with dogmen often painted them as evil and aggressive beings, capable of unspeakable acts. I couldn't shake the feeling that I had crossed paths with something beyond our understanding, something dark and malevolent. For weeks I couldn't sleep. Every rustle of the wind outside, every distant howl of a coyote, sent my heart racing. The once peaceful ranch now felt like a realm of dread. I started locking my doors and windows, even during the hottest summer nights. As time passed, the memory of that fateful night haunted me. I couldn't shake the feeling that the dogman was still out there, lurking in the shadows waiting. I knew I had seen something inexplicable something that defied all reason, and though I prayed I would never encounter it again, the fear that had taken root in my heart would never truly fade away. About five, maybe six years ago, I was at my best friend's birthday party. I was out on the porch having a cigarette and chatting to a few people. I'd never met these guys before that, so I can't personally attest to their level of honesty. But this is the story they told me. As we were standing around chatting, my phone was on the table next to me. It buzzed, and the screen lit up to show I had a new notification from Dogman Encounters Radio. The guy I was talking to looked down when my phone went off, and he recognized the channel name. He looked at me with a really serious expression on his face, and he asked me, you know about that shit. I said, oh, if yeah. Never seen one myself, but I find the subject incredibly interesting. I laughed when I said it, but his expression never changed. He then asked me if it would be okay if we stepped outside so he could tell me a story in private. We stepped out in the backyard, and he told me this. He said that he and three other people were in a car together. They were traveling north towards Richmond, not that far north of the city we were in at the time. He said that at some point every one of them in that vehicle saw a huge bipedal hairy thing cross the highway in front of them in only a few steps. They said it was probably seven, eight feet tall, long arms, tall ears, weird legs, no tail, dark gray fur, and a long snout stereotypical dogman description. I didn't think too much of it at first. I thought he was just drunk and messing with me a little bit, until he finished his story and he told me that one of his friends that was in the car that night was also here at the party. He asked me if I'd be willing to listen to the other guy's account of the story, which I happily agreed to do. So he went inside to find his friend. When they came back out to where I was, the gentleman I'd been talking to prior explained to his friend that I know about Dogman, and I wanted to hear his story. The second guy turned pale when he heard that. It was late at night and dark half out, but I could still see the color drain from his face. He was obviously uncomfortable, but he agreed to talk to me. The first guy I talked to went back inside and left us alone because he wanted me to know that he wasn't influencing his friend's story. The second guy told me the exact same story. The only differences were a few very minor details, and the level of genuine fear and angst I felt from them made me believe that they actually experienced something. So either this is a memory that both of the guys actually experienced, Or there are a couple of merry tricksters that like messing with people, and they've developed an intricate act, specifically about dogmen, to do just that. Anyway, that's it. I used to believe it was just my mind playing tricks on me. Now I'm not so sure. When I was around eleven and my cousin being fourteen, we had went upstairs after a family gathering and everyone had went home. It was just me, him and his dad, that was a dead sleeper. So at around eleven thirty we were simply playing a few games a fortnight till we started hearing footsteps coming from the downstairs before it abruptly stopped. We then heard a deep growl coming from the stairs for around ten minutes before it stopped so we decided to close the door thinking almost nothing of it until his dog began barking loudly non-stop so we decided to see what was happening and we both began moving slowly down the stairs until we saw that the front door was wide open so we quickly closed it and began walking towards where the dog was near the back porch's door which was also wide open us both now basically shitting our pants we stood there frozen we began hearing the sounds of sticks snapping until it stopped and began growling once again. Then we finally heard it as it caked out to me. Ninny, where are you? It was the sound of my father's voice. Then I knew it wasn't him. It sounded distorted and as if was playing on a loop. Yet B and my cousin still stood there frozen before my cousin spoke up. Isn't your dad in Texas? As I slowly turned and looked at him. The voice stopped, and we started to hear loud footsteps as they grew closer to the port. I immediately slammed the door and locked it. We both ran back up the stairs and into his room, locking the door behind us. We eventually calmed down, turning on the room, lights after around three hours of sitting next to each other on his bed, crying silently. But we once again began hearing a low growl from his window, but we were on the second floor, so it didn't make sense. I looked over at the window slowly, and I swore I saw something large zipping through the trees, and once again we began hearing my father's voice again, repeatedly screaming my nickname. At that point, we didn't know what to do anymore, so we found a sheet and covered the window with it, and the screaming stopped as we sobbed under the blankets. We eventually feel asleep, and once we woke up, we kept it to ourselves, believing, hoping that it was just our sleep-deprived mind. The sheet is still there as of today. I don't know what that thing was, but I don't think they should live in the mountains anymore. So I was walking in the woods. No one was around except two of my mom's cats and my cat. I felt okay, it was dark, and I was alone, but I didn't feel afraid. I hate being alone in the dark, even with my cat. But then I heard someone say, look over there. Like I said, I was alone. I didn't know which way to look, but apparently I did, because the moment I looked to my right, something big and black was running towards me. I thought at first it was my all-black dog night, but the issue is this furry body has a white head, and at first I was confused, but then when it got close enough for me to see, when it stopped like right in from of me, was the fact that I saw it had a big white skull for a head. And it is stopped right in front of me, but the moment I processed that this shouldn't be in my dreams, and that whatever it is, is dangerous, I woke up crying like deathly afraid of whatever it was in my dreams. I look it up what I saw, and it was a Wendigo. I'm sorry, but I don't just have random dreams about Wendigos. I didn't even know what they looked like. All I knew was that Wendigos are scary and evil. This one didn't seem evil in the sole fact that it didn't straight up attack me, but I did wake up the moment I processed it. Wasn't my dog, and it was scary and out of the blue. I once saw a weather system off the coast of Central America from the deck of a destroyer that unnerved all of us. It resembled a large bell, probably 20 miles, and a broad curve from our side as we were headed to the eastern coast of Belize. The edge of the bell came down to probably under 1,000 feet and the sky was completely clear, everywhere else. As we got closer, we saw the gray-tipped edges of the bell were curling back under it at a frightening velocity. It was pulling from outside the bell and sucking it up inside. As we went under it, the temperature dropped 15 degrees aft and the sun dimmed instantly. It got quiet under it and we were within sight of land. We saw the edge being pulled up into the center of the phenomenon, while the outer edge held its shape, fed by the outside, constantly curling under while maintaining its shape and volume. We looked at one of our boatswains who had been at sea for twenty years, and had seen everything and saw him looking up, too. We all kind of felt a sense of dread, and he felt our eyes on him. Without looking at us, he said, eyes upwards, no. I've never seen a goddamn thing like this before. We also killed a right whale with our bow and subsequently ground him into chum with our screws. After his corpse worked itself off of being caught on the sharp angle of the bow. See him as the nautical term, and the large sonar dome on the bottom of it. It was horrifying, and we all hated that it had happened. It's a bad omen. Probably the worst thing I saw were the bodies of Haitian people fleeing into the windward passage in 1995 when Aristad was overthrown. Some of the boats sank, we found clusters of the drowned, women floating face-up leached of all color, children too, one toddler that I recall next to what I assume was their mother. We saved thousands and thousands, but the tiny minority of those that drowned haunts me. I won't ever be able to forget that. I guess I shouldn't either. Someone should remember them because history doesn't. I feel so badly for Haiti and Haitians. They've always had a raw deal. Not my stories because the open ocean freaks me out and you probably couldn't pay me enough to go out there, but my wife's uncle-in-law... Anyway, the guy is some sort of engineer and has spent almost his entire life on big ships and sometime on oil rigs. The first story is not that creepy, but it's strange. Apparently, the uncle-in-law, U.I.L., from now on, was on some big ship at sea in the 1970s, and they were letting down or pulling up the anchor for some reason. He explained why, but honestly, I've forgotten. When they were pulling it up, suddenly the chain started coming up a lot slower than it should. Turned out that they had somehow impaled a monster, size swordfish that weighed over 1,000 pounds. He even brought some back for the family to eat and the in-laws confirmed it. Second story is much creepier. Ye was on an oil rig, no idea where. Sometime in the 1980s and while he was there, they experienced a major storm. He said he was pretty nervous, since there had just been some major disaster on another similar oil rig very recently, after a major storm. So the storm comes and goes, and the crew goes about assessing the damage. On this one side, there was this metal stairway going down to a platform at sea level, and during the storm, the platform got ripped off and part of the stairway was submerged in the water. One brave idiotic. Guy went down the stairway to assess the damage, and as soon as he got to the bottom and put one foot in the water, the stairway started sinking abruptly, as if something was pulling it down from below. The guy only barely managed to run up just enough before the bottom part of the stairway snapped off and sank. You will. Said that was a sign from above for him to leave that job, and he got off as soon as could shortly thereafter there was another storm and the same rig capsized and sank will seemed convinced though that there was something out there that was attacking the rig and that it didn't just sink because of bad weather i have my doubts but he told a convincing story and i have a policy of not doubting anyone who brings over the beer The very first time I went to my boyfriend's family's house, we explored the very wooded areas around the house. 30 acres of land. Some hunters go in, but no hikers. Only old logging trails, which the original owner of the house probably created. A lot of the trails are not well maintained with brush and logs over them. One area my boyfriend wanted to show me was off trail. I hate walking off trail, I hate bushwhacking, and this was in the spring, so there were ticks. He brings me to a huge boulder he calls Dragon Mountain. Normal boulder, near a very small stream. He climbs up and then helps me up. It was much taller than me, but by no means gargantuan. We sit on the boulder, then lie down, looking up into the trees, talking. I am on the left. My boyfriend is on the right. I don't remember if we heard the crunching of leaves first or saw them first, but to our east three adult men, all wearing black or dark navy blue from head to toe in sunglasses, are walking toward the boulder carrying a large long black tube. All three of them are carrying it together, and none of them are talking. They are just walking, carrying this thing. My boyfriend and I are extremely still. We did not get the urge to say hello or say anything to them. Like we would to normal people, we encounter hiking in the woods. They're walking toward us, but we don't think they can see us because we are lying in a sort of large divot in the top of the boulder. We can hear the men walk behind where we are on the boulder. Then, when they are to our southwest, very near the boulder, they stop completely. They do not talk or make any noise. Naturally, my boyfriend and I stay silent and still. We are looking at each other, trying to take this in. It felt like a long time that there were no walking noises. The men then walked sort of around the left of us, and the boulder then walked off toward our northwest. They were still not talking at all, just walking through the woods, holding their black tube. We were very weirded out for a long time after this, and we got out of those woods pretty quickly in a direction away from them, opting to get to the road and follow that home instead of taking the quickest route toward the house, which was pretty much in their direction. We have both racked our brains for years about this, coming up with all kinds of explanations. My boyfriend later realized that the direction they came from is from a major highway, where there is a fence as well. We conjectured they may have been hunters, with the black tube being a device to carry a deer, But a lot of hunters live around there and tend to wear camouflage and orange, not all black or navy or dark colors in general. I get if they were hunting, they would likely be quiet, but they did make a fair amount of noise with their footsteps. Why did they stop? It just did not seem like three normal guys going through the woods. I forget about this encounter periodically, but when I suddenly remember it, I cannot explain why I felt the way I felt we both had the instinct to hide and be silent. Not sure this is the appropriate forum, since what I thought was a scary encounter turned out to have a normal explanation. Anyway, here goes. I had bought a house with a steep backyard that sloped down 40 to some thick woods. In the fall, I started building a retaining wall to get a level space. I mostly worked on it the evenings, after work. At this particular time, I was cutting a trench in the hillside to lay in a dead man. If you aren't familiar with the term, a dead man is simply a log or railroad tie laid in a trench parallel to the wall, further up the hillside. Cables are run from it down to the wall through the dirt. The dead man acts like an anchor to keep the wall from bowing out from the weight of the earth it is holding back. Anyway, this night I was hurrying to get the trench finished. I would put the railroad tie in the trench and it wasn't laying flat, so I pulled it partially out, with one end resting on the edge of the trench, and was digging beneath it in the bottom of the trench with a hand trowel. The sun had set and it was really getting too dark to work. It was one of those cold, crisp autumn nights with dry leaves skittering along pushed by a hissing wind. The moon had come up over the horizon and was shining through the trees. I was laying flat on the cold grass with my arm digging at the trench under the railroad tie. I had just about decided to quit for the evening when I felt my hand grabbed by something from the bottom of the trench with claws. I shrieked like a little girl. That old fight-or-flight reflex started with vengeance. I must have levitated to my feet and was just about to push the railroad tie back into the hole to crush whatever the hell it was that had grabbed me. I hesitated for a moment in that instant. My neighbor's cat poked his head up from the trench. It must have crawled in, unnoticed, from the other end of the trench and had been attracted by my digging motions. That cat never knew had closed. It had come to being pike. I've had a few other weird incidents in my life, as I imagine most people have, but this was the one I remember that scared me the most, and yet had the most mundane possible explanation. My encounter happened in February of 2007. I used to work third shift at a paper stock factory warehouse. The main day shift supervisor was on vacation, so our boss on night shift decided she wanted to leave early, so she let us sneak off about two hours earlier than our normal shift in time. So this would have been between 4.35 a.m. I was following a co-worker down this county road as the warehouse was on the outskirts of my small rural town. I noticed he hit his brakes and proceeded to swerve off the road. I'm probably 1,000 FT behind him, and I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is this dude doing? And that's when I saw it. There was a tall, dark shape strolling down the middle of the road in a hunched-over and swaying side-to-side sort of manner. I likened it to how one of those tall windblower figures you see swaying at a car dealership or something like that move Very unnatural movements. I can't do it justice by describing it as it would only really make sense if someone saw it themselves, I feel like. It looked like a tall person wrapped in a large, dark blanket or cloak. I had to hit the brakes and swerve, too, but I came to a full stop. Whatever it was, I couldn't make out any features or characteristics. I saw a large torso with two legs. The upper half was hunched forward as if it was leaning like an older person would with a walker. Now, at that time, I was driving a nineteen ninety eight Ford Explorer, and I've looked up the height of the vehicle, and it lists it as around sixty seven, but whatever walked past my driver's window was a good foot or more higher than that leaning forward, so I believe whatever was walking was over seven foot tall minimum. Again, I could not see a head, any arms, just a figure with legs walking. My lights illuminated it as I started to drive past it. I couldn't make out any definite details for the body. I didn't see fur or skin or anything like clothing. It was solid, not like a translucent type of thing. It was just large, thick and black, or at the very least dark gray in color. My co-worker had pulled over into a parking lot a little ways down the road, and I followed him in, and you could tell he was scared. He was saying something along the lines of what was that. It didn't have a head, among a lot of other things most panicked people say. We decided to drive back down and try to see if it's still there and what it actually is. I drove in front, and he was following behind. We come up to the general area, and I notice there's a large black animal laying in the middle of the road. It appeared to be a big black dog. Part of me knew this wasn't large enough to be what was walking in the road, but we had to stop because it was directly in the middle of the roadway. I decided to get out and walk up to it. All the while, my co-worker is yelling at me to get back in my vehicle. As I approach whatever is laying in the road, it brings its head up and looks back at me. Its eyes are glowing yellow, which I write off as I shine from the headlights, but it growls at me. So I stop dead in my tracks and just watch. This thing stands up on its back legs like a person, but falls back down. It sits back up and hobbles off to the side of the road like a wounded animal that wasn't able to use its front legs. It looked like your typical German Shepherd or Wolf type face, but its fur was puffy like a chow dog's. It was a lot bigger than most dogs but still nowhere as tall as whatever was walking down the road. I didn't see any blood or wounds, so I I can't say if it was actually hurt or not. My co-worker got out of the car by this point after it had disappeared into the wood line. We discussed what the heck just happened, but while we were talking, I noticed next to our feet was a mouse. It was just standing there with us, but was cleaning itself. I nudged it with my shoe and it just kept cleaning its face as if it wasn't afraid of us. The mouse was sitting in the upright position as in it was on its hind legs and using its front paws to wipe itself. I never really considered it until recently that all three of these bizarre happenings was all on two legs. We got back in vehicles and drove off and then the next time at work I had mentioned what happened and our coworkers laughed at us. So the other guy who saw it told me if I don't stop talking about it, he's just going to deny it, and I best just forget about it. So for essentially 15 years, I never told anyone up until recently. I've tried to rationalize it into something that makes sense, but even then it doesn't completely add up. I have tried to explain it away as it was just a large dog that must have gotten hit by another vehicle before my co-worker and I got there. Maybe it was messing around with a mouse and it got hit which broke its front leg, so that's why it was trying to use its back legs. The mouse was traumatized from the dog trying to mess with it, so it was just standing there cleaning the dog slobber off itself. That sounds at least plausible until the original thing we saw walking without a head. The dog was nowhere as tall as that thing was so even with the dog standing upright, it was close to six foot roughly, but whatever was walking had to have been over seven foot tall, as it was so much taller than my explorer, even with it hunched forward. I can explain away the dog and mouse, but I can't just explain what that was, so I'm back at square one, trying to understand what it could have possibly be. As someone who's always been very skeptical, it becomes very hard to accept the unacceptable. I have always been interested in weird creatures and such, but I never truly believed they existed. I still struggle to believe that all these crazy stories could be true, and yet who am I to say they aren't, especially with the weird crap that my former co-worker and I went through that night. All I know is what I saw, but whatever I saw is something I don't know, and probably never will. It sounds crazy, and I personally would be hesitant to believe it if someone else told me this happened to them, but that's what happened.